0: Pellicle is proudly sponsored by Lochran Brewers Select, a 7th generation family owned business based near Dundalk in Ireland. In 2014, James Lochran established Lochran Brewing Stores in order to supply high quality brewing ingredients to the burgeoning beer industries in the UK, Ireland and mainland Europe. The business expanded in 2022 when ingredient wholesaler Brewers Select joined the Lochran family, expanding its suppliers within the brewing ingredient and raw material industry. Some of those suppliers include Crosby Hops, a family-owned hop farm in Oregon, USA, Baird's Malt here in the UK, and industry-leading yeast producer, Lalamond. Thanks to their support, we're able to pay more writers, photographers, and illustrators than ever before, and invest in special projects like this podcast. Thanks again to Loughran Brewers Select, who you can find out more about by visiting brewersselect.co.uk forward slash pellicle. And now... Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Pellicle Podcast with me, Matthew Curtis. If you caught the end of our previous episode, which features a fantastic long form interview with Theo Frain, the owner of Dea Brewery in Cheltenham, then at the end, you will have heard me say that the next episode would be the first of our panel discussions from this year's Fine Fest, of which there will be five brilliant episodes with some really engaging and interesting talks. But while I was working on those, I got chatting to our associate editors, my team, Katie Mather and Lily Waite, and they both indicated to me that they would love to read some of their previous stories that they've had published on Pellicle so that we could air them on the podcast. And wouldn't it be great if we did this with more of the features we published? Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember episode 14, where I read my story in search of Pliny the Elder. I even wrote some music to score it, which took me a very long time, and I won't be doing that again. However, I thought, yes, what a fantastic idea to get some of these stories out there in audio form and package them in shorter, snappier episodes, just like this one. So in this episode, we've got Katie Mather reading a fantastic story she wrote a few years ago for us called Handheld Rebellion, an ode to the burger van. An absolutely brilliant story. And again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you'll remember that I actually read some of our writers' stories. But having the writer themselves read it, hearing those inflections and the emotion behind that story, it really brings it to life. And Katie's done a wonderful job. So you'll hear from her in a little while. Another thing I wanted to do before we go to that is that Some listeners said after we published our previous episode that they miss the check-ins that I occasionally do. Now, regular listeners will know when I say check-in, it means I just pause for a moment and think mindfully about something that's happened to me in beer that I want to reflect on. It could be a delicious beer enjoyed in a pub or at home or a particularly wonderful pub experience. It's something I encourage you folks to do at home as well just pause for a moment and think about a really delicious beer that caught your attention even if it was just for a little while or was it popping into a local or maybe a pub you've never been into before and it just gave you pause to think that this is a really nice really special experience so with that it's time for the first time in a while to check in I was down in Norfolk recently. Two really good friends of mine, wonderful friends of mine, in fact, are Derek Bates and Miranda Hudson, the husband and wife team behind Duration Brewery, a farm-based brewery in the middle of the Norfolk countryside focused on both very modern takes on American styles of beer like pale ale and IPA, Bates himself is from South Carolina, so he is very invested in making American style beers, but they also make wood aged, fooder aged, barrel matured beers that come into themselves when given time. And I want to reflect on this because we had some frank discussions about how challenging the beer industry is at the moment. Rampant inflation and the cost of living crisis have made running a brewery like theirs, which is very small, really, very difficult indeed. Now, I'm an optimist, and I believe that the brewing industry will come through this, but the pressures on small breweries are greater than they have been, certainly in the 10 plus years I've been writing about beer. And I don't like to say, get out there, support your small breweries, because I feel like that use it or lose it narrative kind of plays into capitalist trope. Really, there's responsibility from all parties, be that us, the consumers, be that the producers themselves who we should expect a good product at a fair price from. But also, there's a huge amount of responsibility from the people who legislate these industries, the people who tax them. And largely, I think breweries like Duration are doing everything right. The beer is great. The experience they offer is great. But the circumstances that face them and the entire small brewing industry are kind of out of our control due to poor government legislation and a bonkers new taxation system, which no one's quite got their head around at the moment. But I don't just want to dwell on that because I was sat in their tap room at their fourth anniversary party with my partner, Diane. and Diane loves a beer, but she doesn't give a shit about tasting notes or anything like that. She just likes a nice pint. But we were drinking the brewery's flagship pale ale, which is called Turtles All The Way Down, or just Turtles for short. And my God, it was delicious. I took a sip and I was smiling ear to ear. It was divine. And I handed it to Diane and said, you've got to try this. It's tasting so good at the moment. And she took a deep sip and went, wow. It tastes like biting into a fresh lime. And she never gives tasting notes like that. So if it elicited such a response in someone who isn't that bothered about beer tasting of a certain thing, except that it's nice, that demonstrates how incredible it is tasting at the moment. So do get yourself a Duration Turtles. It will blow you away, I assure you. And if you're lucky enough, they've started doing it on cask as well. I had it down my local Heaton Hops here in Stockport recently, and it was tasting sublime. So well done to Bates, Miranda and the team for producing such a fantastic beer. I hope all of you listening out there have had a similarly delicious experience with a beer recently. Right, now I'm going to hand over to Katie, who's going to read her story Handheld Rebellion, an ode to the burger van, and... I hope you enjoy listening, I certainly know I did. Enjoy.
1: Hi, I'm Katie Mather and this is a story I wrote called Handheld Rebellion, A Love Letter to the Burger Van. The chug of a generator is the sound of my childhood. The scent of fried onions mingling with two-stroke fumes is the smell of it. I walk on damp summer grass and think of bike rally tents and crawling out of them into the clamminess of a wet summer's day. Motorbikes were my parents' lives before I existed and ever since I can remember they've been near the centre of mine too. And where there are bikes, there are burger vans. Wide, white burger vans, with menus painted in pub sign lettering, a queue of leather squeaky people trailing beards and bandanas from the hatch at the front. I dawdled past them, peeking inside at the busy people flipping infinite patties, a different world in a tiny space. When you're little, the things you're not allowed take on an unbearable element of tantalisation. Being brought a burger wrapped in a ketchup-stained napkin, especially when you'd been told no, was exciting. It didn't matter that my mum was right, that they mostly tasted of salt and processed cheese. I was happy. I'd beaten the system. It's fair to say we were healthy kids, and greasy meals made on blackened hot plates were strictly a last resort. We were the type of family that took sandwiches to the British Superbike Championships, who peeled a tangerine while watching someone ride the wall of death. I spent my childhood taunted by clouds of melted cheesy meatiness that drifted downwind from roughly modified trailers, as utilitarian as the portaloos, as taboo as the herbal remedy stalls I was steered away from. Motorbikes were synonymous with summertime. They'd come out of the garage and we'd make them shiny, and in return they'd take us to shows and rallies, bags bungee tied to the panniers, indecipherable mechanisms gleaming. By June, Long convoys of them would ride past my school on their way to Heisham for the Isle of Man ferry, and I'd stand with my friends at the fence and wave, looking for bikes that I recognised. Grown up now, I take that ferry and head over the sand-brown Sea to the TT races. There's a burger van at the port that's open all night. Two years ago, my husband and I rocked up on an early crossing. I took my helmet off, smelled the hot beef fat and I had to do it. At 5am, cheeseburger breakfast on one of the most exciting days of the year. He looked on in horror as I joyfully demolished it. Food trucks have become a staple of hipster food culture in the UK, thanks to a booming mobile catering industry in the USA, which itself is a westernised take on the long tradition of food carts everywhere in the world where people want good, speedily cooked food. There have always been roadside food carts run by enterprising cooks. Koji Korean Barbecue is regarded by many, and itself, as the fleet of food trucks that change the face of mobile catering, but it wasn't a radical idea. Yes, it was fusion cuisine that could have perhaps only been made in LA, but a gentrified food cart, not a tough business idea to sell. The millions of food truck dreams inspired continued this model. To an audience of generally white millennials, to whom food carts represented adventurous holiday vibes and upmarket dining without the cost, they simultaneously made ethnic food desirable to blinkered diners and gourmet food accessible, as long as you were willing to wait in line. This is where I draw the line between burger vans and food trucks. For me, food trucks bring the images of gourmet falafel wraps, jackfruit tacos, outrageous fried chicken and homemade sauces. They're run by chefs and dreamers on enthusiasm and aspiration, passion and excitement. I enjoy them, but they are a different beast. A burger van might also be a grill on wheels, but that's where the comparisons stop. A burger van is a means to an end. The owners are chipper, but brisk and efficient. The sauces are bulk bought and sharp with vinegar and citric acid. The ingredients might be locally sourced, but probably only due to cost efficiency. You're likely to be eye-wateringly overcharged for a quarter pounder in a flour sandwich roll the size of a bin lid with a name like the belly buster. They are what my mum would call a waste of money. They are, for me, the ultimate treat. There's a burger van on Devil's Bridge at Kirby Lonsdale in Cumbria where bikers meet every Sunday and you can get a mug of tea for a quid while you wait for your food. I've been going there since I was a child to look at the bikes lined up in the parking bay, watching riders show off as they roll away, revving as they open up on their way to the Kendall or the Dales. The sizzle. The flip. The press of the spatula against the patty. The laminated cheese slices. Onions caramelised on the hot plate all day, the savoury aroma of meat juices melting into burnt sugar. If I'm lucky, they'll toast the bun too, mopping up beef fat as they go. Then my number's called, my order's ready. It's mine, wrapped in a waxy paper napkin, blackened around the edge, ready for relish, neon mustard and ketchup. Maybe a little burger sauce if they have any. I grab my can of pop, wave away the wasps, sit on a nearby wall and bite a red, sauce smile painted from ear to ear. A handheld rebellion. Thanks for listening.
0: I think we'll be recording a few more of those. Don't worry if you did tune in for the Fine Fest panel discussions because they will be with you very soon. This episode has given me a bit of breathing room and I've been working away on them in the background. So they're almost ready to go out and I shall filter those through about once a week for you so you've always got something new to listen to over the festive season. Lily is also champing at the bit to read one of her stories. So that will be with you very soon. And who knows, maybe I'll read another story and maybe we'll get some of our other contributors to read their stories too. If you enjoy these episodes, do let us know. A couple more things. I'm going to ask you now, if you're enjoying Pellicle, please subscribe via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pellicle mag. We really need your support. It's a struggle to run this magazine at the beginning of the episode. I talked about the pressures facing the beer industry and we are no stranger to those as well. So that link again is patreon.com forward slash pellicle Support us for the price of one pint a month and you'll be supporting all of our writers, all of our illustrators, photographers and our small editorial team. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, don't forget to leave a rating in the app that you use. And if you're listening on Spotify, and we show up in your Spotify Wrapped, then do make sure you share that and tag us in it. Thank you to the 130 people whose top five podcasts we made it into. And special thanks to the 20 people for whom we were the most listened to podcast in 2023. But thank you to all of you for listening. I'm happy to say there'll be plenty more episodes heading your way soon. That's it for now. Do get in touch to let us know if you've been enjoying the podcast and I'll see you next time. I'm Matthew Curtis and this has been The Pellicle Podcast. Bye-bye.